This is the On The Banks Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at OTB underscore SB Nation. Now, here's your host, Lance Glenn. Hello, everyone. I am, of course, your host, Lance Glenn, and this is episode 62 of the On The Banks Podcast. If you don't already, you can follow me on Twitter at Lance underscore G11. And, of course, you can follow On The Banks on Twitter as well at OTB underscore SB Nation. There are many ways to listen to all 62 episodes of the On The Banks podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. Just search On The Banks podcast. You can find us on your favorite podcast platform. And of course, you can find all of our episodes and so much more great content by going to onthebanks.com. I'm very excited to be joined on episode 62 of the podcast by someone who I guess I'm pretty close with, Erica Herskowitz. You'll hear our conversation in a little bit, but it was great to speak with her about why she even joined WRSU back when she was a freshman at Rutgers, the memories she made at RU, how she was discovered by WFAN, and of course, so much more. Before we start, however, I want to quickly mention a collaboration that we at On The Banks and a lot of our brother and sister SB Nation sites are partaking in with the clothing company Home Field Apparel. Homefield specializes in your favorite college team's apparel, and Rutgers is most certainly all of our favorite college team. If you go to their website, homefieldapparel.com, and go to shop your school at the top of the page, you can find Rutgers and browse the selection that they have. You know, I'll even drop a little sneak peek for you. There's a lot more to come with that selection. So remember, it's homefieldapparel.com. Go to find your school and click on Rutgers. I want to preface this interview by saying that you'll hear me more than once refer to our guest as Aunt Erica. Yes, we are related. She is my aunt. I remember growing up hearing her on WFAN, and she's really the biggest reason why I have such a huge passion for radio and was so involved with WRSU sports really from the first week of my freshman year. It's fun being able to have family on the podcast, and of course, I don't foresee me having any other family members on because no other family members have the Rutgers connection that she does. It was, of course, my first time having her on, but it was so much fun listening to her stories and having all the back and forth with her that we did. You know, it's funny. She will always say that when I was very little, I did not like her very much. You know, for some reason, my two to four-year-old self was not a big fan of my Aunt Erica. But I promise you that the feeling has changed. I love her very much and am so very thankful for everything she helped me with in college, and for everything she helps me with now. So without further ado, WRSU sports alum, Rutgers grad, WFAN anchor, and my aunt, Erica Herskowitz. Time to talk to the reporters. Here's your host, Lance Glenn. She's a Rutgers grad, a WRSU alum. She's been at WFAN for more than two decades, and she, as I mentioned before, is my aunt. I am now very excited to be finally joined by Erica Herskowitz. And Erica, I thank you for coming on the podcast, but let's be real. As soon as I asked you, you had no choice but to say yes and come on. Well, that is true. I had no choice because that's what family does. And when I told my kids I was going on your podcast, they were like, I thought that was a joke. That this was happening. So I guess desperate times call for desperate measures, and I am one of your very accessible uh, guests. Well, little little, do, little do the boys know that they are uh, going to get booked soon as uh, guests coming up. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> well, this continues, so that makes perfect sense. <laughs> I have lots to 
So, so first off, I want to ask your opinion about just general Rutgers sports now. You know, basketball was doing great, both men's and women's this past season. Football obviously has Shiano back. What's your general thoughts just on the state of Rutgers athletics since you've been involved with it for, you know, decades? Well, I think my thought process is similar to anybody who's gone through the 90s and 2000s as a Rutgers fan. And even, you know, before that, there hasn't really been a lot to cheer about. And so all of a sudden, you know, we're crowded around the TV. We're watching every game. We're looking for tickets to get to the games now. And so times are exciting. And I'm just psyched for the basketball teams. And I'm excited looking forward to the football, you know, team getting going. I was a huge proponent on bringing Shiano back, made perfect sense, and these last few years have just been a complete nightmare. When I was in school, I um, went through an 0-11 season, so that was fun, and there was really nothing to cheer about. We had just joined the Big East at that point. My first game that I had gone to was in the rain. It was against Miami, and it was the first game, and then it just was downhill from there, and so, you know, this is uh, it's going to be a nice change back to what we had you know, when everyone was storming the field and uh, Rutgers, you know, getting ranked a few years ago or many years ago. And as far as the basketball team's concerned, I mean, that's just, it's just exciting. I'm excited. I think Teichel's got everybody on track and, you know, winning breeds winning, as you know, Lance. And so it's it's an exciting time to be a Rutgers fan. Definitely. And, and as I told you before, uh, you know, we were, myself and my dad were headed to uh, wherever Rutgers was going to go for the NCAA tournament. We were headed to that location, as I'm sure many Rutgers fans were. Um, but it definitely is exciting because, you know, you, while you never saw an NCAA tournament while you were a student, you did see some great Rutgers basketball memories. And even with WRS, you called some great Rutgers basketball memories. So it would definitely have been fun to see, at least, you know, with the NCAA tournament being canceled, it would have at least been nice to see the NCAA release a bracket. So Rutgers, for the first time in, you know, 30 years, could say, look, they went dancing. You know, I honestly, all I was really looking forward to, even before Selection Sunday, was just another opportunity to face Michigan and beat Michigan. I was like, I was headed to work. I was thinking all morning, I'm gonna, they're gonna beat Michigan. This is it. Noon tip off. It's gonna happen. And I had something to look forward to. This was like at the very start of this whole, you know, not going to work anymore. People staying home, social distancing situation. And so, um, all I wanted to do was sit at the. Uh, computer at my desk and watch that game and then 14 minutes before that tip off it was canceled and so I really wasn't looking that far ahead I mean I was super excited to to be um you know a team that you know actually have a team to root for in the uh, tournament but um even just a chance to beat Michigan on that day that was really what I wanted to, to see and of course you know for the listeners who don't know most of which I assume don't know um, we have, or I have an uncle that's on our side of the family that went to Michigan. So we definitely have some, some family back and forth about Michigan and Rutgers more so, more so than maybe other families. He's definitely outnumbered. Although my older son really wants to go to Michigan, which I'm but, um, I don't know. It's just, uh, it is like a little bit of a family rivalry in that way because uncle Jason is a is annoying when it comes to Michigan, and so it's nice to have something to root for against Michigan, but unfortunately didn't get that opportunity that day, so... And Erica, I want to start from the beginning and how you ended up at Rutgers, because I feel like we all have our own stories of why Rutgers was the college for us. You know, mine coincidentally involved you and involved visiting your class and hearing about WRSU from you, but what made Rutgers the choice as you were making the college decision during the high school years? Honestly, Lance, I... 
I can't lie. It was a completely financial decision. Um, I got into NYU. I was going to NYU. I was, you know, already met with financial advisors. And then um, I remember being, I think that night we had gone to NYU. Then I went to a Yankee game. And then, you know, my mom had called me and said, and I got a big envelope from Rutgers. And then we had a discussion about finances and how expensive NYU would be as opposed to Rutgers. And so I hate to say it and hate to admit it, but by default, I ended up at Rutgers and I have never regretted it. It was the greatest choice that I could have ever made for myself. I absolutely love the school. I bleed Scarlet, as you know, and, um, you know, I owe everything that I've ever done beyond Rutgers to Rutgers. So um, it's definitely not something that I regret, but it was one of those decisions that wasn't really necessarily made by me more so by my parents and so that's sort of how it happened it wasn't really something you know I grew up in East Brunswick 10 minutes away and as a typical New Jersey kid it wasn't something that I wanted to do go to you know school 10 minutes from my parents but you know it worked out and I just I loved every minute of it I really did I can't lie I mean I could say I could lie and say that when I drive through the village and see all the purple flags and there's a little bit of that like what if I had gone to NYU and you know, the desire to live in New York City. But to be honest with you, I think it ended up being the best choice I could have possibly made. So you get to Rutgers and you're not a journalism or even a communications major. I think you told me you were an economics major, but you somehow ended up at WRSU Sports of all places. Why did you join WRSU at the time? You know, why did you get so involved with Rutgers Radio? I actually did it on a dare, believe it or not. I know I told you this story before, but obviously you're asking me these questions. It feels so inorganic because um, we've had so many of these conversations. But um, I was in Voorhees Mall freshman year. It was the orientation sort of week. And all of the – what do they still have that fair? It's a uh, – The involvement fair, fair. The involvement fair. The involvement yeah. fair. Yep, involvement fair. So I remember going with my new roommate and a couple of new people that I had met. I was living on Clo- in Clothier on the fifth floor. And um, I remember walking around Voorhees and, you know, all of a sudden I saw the radio station. And I think my roommate joked around and goes, oh, you should go join that, you know, as a joke. And so, I, you know, I went over and I saw what was going on there. And I think I've always known that I wanted to be on the radio. My mom found, you know, she's cleaning out one of my rooms or something and from elementary school there was a little drawing that said when I grow up I want to be and then it, it did say on the radio so I think even in third grade I always just loved you know radio I don't know what that I don't know what that's all about it's so weird but um <laughs> it is weird it's weird but I remember as a teenager like nowadays people don't listen to the radio so much as there's podcasts and they're, you know everything's on demand but you know when I would come home from school you turn on the radio you listen to an afternoon you know kind of zoo type show I remember I was listening to the Rocky Allen showgram I think it was on um WPLJ in New York or something like that and I would sit in my room and get my work done and have that on or in the mornings when I'd wake up you know instead of an alarm on your phone because there were no cell phones you would actually set an alarm and you would have the radio wake you up and I remember like the Z morning zoo and so I always kind of had this like I got, got a lot of enjoyment out of listening to the radio. And so when I got to Rutgers and went to that fair and there was sort of an opportunity to do something in radio, I'm not really quite sure what made me do it because I'm really not a joiner and a doer, but as you know, but, um, I did, I went to the meeting and ended up, um, you know, I tell this story to my class, even that when you went to WRSU to the actual meeting, you know, after the fair, 
there was a huge line of girls that were signing up to do news. I mean, it was like wrapped around, you know, wherever the, the room. And then there were these six guys sitting in the sports department. I thought, oh, well, that seems more nice. <laughs> and so that's how I sort of ended up doing WRSU sports is that it just seemed like the easier choice, which sounds pretty pathetic at this point <laughs> to be, to be admitting that. But the truth is, is that I felt like less intimidated working with the six guys that were sitting there as opposed to this long line of women that were trying to do news. And so that's how I ended up at WRSU and how I ended up at WRSU sports. But look, you had, as all of us do, who are a part of WRSU and WR Sports, you had some great memories. What are some that really stick out to you that you hold close and, of course, remember very well? Well, I made some of my best friends there. My one best friend is an over-under as to whether or not I'm going to say his name tonight. (laughs) (laughs) No, my best friends live in Chicago, and one of them is my friend Ryan, and he, um, you know, so he's one of the great people that came out of um, my experience there. My friend Gary Winkler, who works for... um, Right now, he used to work for the Knicks. Now he works for, um, oh, my God, Times Square Entertainment. You know, so the close friendships that I made, I loved being able to travel around the country. got to go to Tucson for um, a tournament, which I would never have gone to Tucson on a plane. And, you know, like, it's even the the um, the things you don't really pay attention to that you get to do, as you know, Lance, along the way. Like, you know, I never would have gotten on an airplane by myself to go somewhere and fly somewhere and take long road trips to go to games and see stadiums. And I mean, these are the things that you gain when you belong to WRSU. You, if you are somebody who does call games and, you know, you have the opportunity to go take a plane and go fly to, you know, where Miami in the middle of the winter to go cover, you know, at the time it was Biggie's basketball. So we would go to Miami to, you know, a game down there. And so all these great places that I got to see and got to visit, um, the friendships that I made and, you know, just some of the great games that I got to call. I remember calling the um, men's biggies tournament, the semifinal game, which is how I sort of gained my, you know, audition on the fan and how I actually got on the air with the fan. So, you know, these are the, the things that I um, remember in my time at WRCU. And I specifically want to shout him out because you brought me to him before I even got to Rutgers. I know you and him are very close, and he's a mentor to me as well. But Steve Miller played a major role in in both of our college careers. How did he help you get to where you're at now? And how did he help you just get through college life and reach such a high point in your career post-graduation? I think there's no more positive human on the planet than Steve Miller. As you know, Lance, he is absolutely just a bright light when there's a dark day. And I think all the times that I sort of doubted myself or was frustrated or didn't know, you know, which which road to take, I think having someone specifically Steve Miller, you know, having Steve be there for me as a student and listen to me and let me cry in his office. I think those um, those kind of things that he provided as far as advice and, you know, just a word of encouragement from from here and there. I think that that's really what. what makes Steve so special and how he helped me gain the confidence to be able to do what I'm doing. So, and Erica, of course, obviously WRCU played a major role in jumpstarting your radio career with the fan. And I know a friend of the podcast, Keith Sargent, wrote an excellent piece on you a few years back about how you got your start with WFAN. But if you can, just recount how you got to the fan and the major players in sports radio that took notice and really helped launch your career. Okay, so I was... um... Working at WRCU, I got an internship with the fan when I was a junior, 
1997, and I went through my internship there. And during my um, time at WRSU and my time at WFAN, I got hired out of the internship to run the board, do behind-the-scenes work, um, cut tape. And so I was going to school, working at WRSU, working at WFAN for like $5 an hour. And at that time, the Big East tournament popped up in New York City, and, you know, the men's team was advancing, even to the point where they won the first round and weren't prepared for the second game because they left their jerseys home. So they had to send the managers back to New Brunswick to go get the jerseys. That's how little confidence everybody had <laughs> in the basketball team. And so they kept winning, and um, as it turned out, Mike Francesa thought it was cute that this girl was doing play-by-play that worked at the station you know, behind the scenes. It was a novel thing. Women didn't do play-by-play, not really at that time. And um, it was very new, put it that way. And certainly not somebody my age at the time, you know, I was, what, 19 years old. And so um, he simulcasted the men's semifinals on the fan, as sometimes he does go around, or he did go around um, to big games that were going on. And he simulcasted WRSU onto WFAN, and then, you know, the next day, I got a note in my mailbox from Mark Chernoff, who's also a Rutgers grad, and also a WRSU alum, and he asked me for a demo tape to see if I could do anchoring, and that's how it all kind of began. Um, I actually had no interest, or not no interest, but I had no, um, you know, what's the word? I wasn't like anticipating being on the air, put it that way. I was really thinking more behind the scenes, production, management types type work for my future. And so when this came up, I certainly wasn't going to turn down the opportunity to, you know, train and learn how to do updates. And so I graduated in May and then June 21st was my first shift on the fan. I did a Saturday overnight with Tony Page. I was horrendous. I mean, like awful. And um, not unlike I am right now. But I, <laughs> That's not <laughs> I true. I was really bad. I mean, I, like me, but my voice way higher, not being able to breathe, not even knowing how to, you know, speak on the radio. And yet somehow this dopey girl got on the air. And so that's it. That's sort of the rest is history type story for you. <laughs> and you worked a lot with Mike and the Mad Dog. Do you have any stories from your time working with them? You know, any behind the scenes that the listener driving in the car wouldn't necessarily know? I'm sure I do. I'm not really, I can't really come up with these kind of things off the cuff. I'm not. <laughs> oh my God. I bring you on, I bring you on as a guest and I ask for all these great stories. I, and... I should have been prepared, but you should have been prepared. <laughs> I, I, um, I guess, you know, some of the best times are the times that were off the air, not necessarily on the air, like the yelling in the newsroom at each other and, you know, the fighting and, you know, but sometimes mostly lighthearted fighting where it's just superficial and nothing, you know, heavy. And so I think that that was, you know, the, the fun of watching them sort of interact on and off the air. Um, they would make fun of me a lot when I was younger. They, they tried to set me up with Chris Carlin. They thought that was funny. And they, they thought we were a couple because we were such close friends at the time. And so um, we're talking like 90s, early 2000s. So that was sort of their shtick with me. They would make that a thing, like wanting to send us out on a date and this and that. And so that was the running joke. But I think um, I think just the magic of watching the two of them work together was really what I, what I remember. I don't really remember anything super crazy or exciting to share. Sorry. That's okay. I I did. No, it's all right. You know what? That was as good an answer as I could have wanted. So I appreciate <laughs> it. So, was it long-winded enough? Very long-winded. You know what? It – 
was longer winded than you know, you know I wanted. You know the problem with this, this podcast and me being interviewed by you is that our family's going to listen to it. I know. I'm going to get mocked. You're going to get mocked. I'm going to get mocked. We're I'm anyway. I sort of stay under the radar because I try not to put up with a lot of nonsense. And of course, get, of course, full disclosure. Story. Obviously, our family does know that we're coming out with this podcast, so they're all aware yes. that um, when this comes out on Monday morning, to to make sure to listen. Although my my son thought it was you were kidding, so <laughs> we can pretend we can pretend that you were kidding, but I'm not really on it. So. so when you entered the field, obviously being a woman in sports broadcasting was not as common as it is now. Did you deal with, especially when you first entered, struggles of being in a woman in what was obviously a very male-dominated field at the time? Not at WFAN. I, I think um, WFAN, it was, a, it was an interesting time, late 90s. It was the start of the gorgeous sideline reporter. That was like the the new thing. Jill Arrington um, was on the sideline doing uh, sideline reporting for football. And I remember Andy Rooney, I know you're too young to know this and you don't watch 60 Minutes because nobody watches TV anymore. But he did this whole thing. Um, was he would do like 60 seconds at the end of the show, 60 Minutes. And he did a whole thing about women on the sideline. And it was right around that time um, that Jill, Ar- you know, Jill Arrington was beautiful and she was holding a microphone on a sideline and reporting. And that whole concept was brand new. It was a brand new thing. Uh, before that, it was not, you know, women did things, right? But they would dress like men. They would cut their hair short. They would try to deepen their voice. There were some women that would change their names to make their names sound, you know, less girly. So it was a different time. And he criticized, he said he didn't think women should be on the sideline. And he was very negative about it. And so I was coming up at around that time when it was a new concept. Um, Now I'm on radio, and I doesn't matter what I look like. And it just mattered what I sounded like. Um, And also, if I was confident, and I felt like I was, especially that behind the scenes stuff, when I first started, I was pretty good at all that stuff, the technical stuff. And understanding what is news and what is, you know, important when it comes to sports and knowing what a highlight is. I mean, these little things that you don't think about when you listen to the fan, like those things are important because when you're providing sound bites and all this other stuff, you sort of have to have an understanding of what people want to hear and what things should sound like. So I was good at that. I felt confident and confident with all that stuff. And it's primarily because of my experience at WRSU that gave me the experience I needed to be successful at WFAM. Um, behind the scenes. And so, you know, at the time, it was a new concept to be a woman that was young in sports, not trying to look like a guy, right? Not cutting her hair, not, you know, shying away from putting on makeup and not wearing, you know, a buttoned up suit that looked like a, you know, a dude. And so um, was it difficult for me? Not at WFAN. I never really faced any discrimination. If anything, because of the Jill Arrington's of the world, it gave me an opportunity to be one of those people that was able to capitalize on being different. Um, but there were other places that I've worked that I've had difficulty, but uh, I don't like talking about that. <laughs> <laughs> just, I don't. So, <laughs> I like to forget it. So you decided to return in 2011 to Rutgers, this time as a professor in the School of Communication and Information. You know, you also spent many years and still are on WRSU's radio council, alongside myself, of course, for a few of those years when I was very involved with WRSU as a student. What made you want to come back to Rutgers and really impart your wisdom on Rutgers students who have similar aspirations that obviously you once had? Well, I don't feel like I'm imparting my wisdom at all. <laughs> <laughs> the time. 
I honestly was looking for something else to do. I wasn't working enough at WFAN, you know, and I love Rutgers. I know that I fully admitted that it wasn't my first choice, but I'm here to say that I love Rutgers and I love my experience. And so given the opportunity from Steve Miller to come back and teach the class that I took in the room I took it um, was mind blowing and I couldn't pass it up. I just love it. I love being able to interact with the students. I love being able to, you know, be an ear just like Steve was for me, for them to come to, to vent to, because this business is really brutal from time to time. And, you know, there's peaks and valleys. And when you hit those valleys where your phone's not ringing and no one's calling to ask you to work or do anything, you know, it can get really frustrating. And if you don't have somebody to listen to you and you don't have that kind of support, you know, it can be, it can break you. And so I felt like having the opportunity to teach this class, having the opportunity to teach a class that I know the information so well, which is broadcast news writing and reporting, um, it was such an opportunity that I couldn't pass up. And so I'm super happy being there. I've been there since 2011, and I've gotten to teach the three semesters. I'll teach fall, spring, and I get the summer semester. Um, and it's been great. I really love it. And every semester is different. And some are better than others and feeling super sad about this semester getting sort of not canceled, but you know, shut down. And uh, so that's been, it's been a little bit of a bummer, but you know, it's been, it's been one of the highlights of my career being able to teach at Rutgers. Now, obviously I was not allowed to take your class at the time, even though I know um, had I taken your class, I would have gotten an, that I was going to see, I was going to say I would have gotten an A, not because you're my aunt, but because of just my, Above, well above average, as I should say. Well above yes, average. You're, you're a genius. <laughs> <laughs> so, Erica, to close it out, I like to put a lot of my guests through various quick questions looking back at their Rutgers experience. So, I'm going to ask you four short Rutgers related questions to, to finish out the podcast. So, the first okay. one is what's your favorite fat sandwich or your favorite place to eat at Rutgers? Okay, my favorite fat sandwich is just the fat sandwich (laughs) (laughs) the one with the cheeseburger and the french fries on top of it with the ketchup the mustard the mayo and the pickle like the very classic one Mm -hmm. i loved um what's the one with the chicken fingers that one was good too i think that's the fat daryl i think the fat daryl yeah so we used to go to the to the um grease trucks and we would get snapple and fat sandwiches and it was really unhealthy let's just say (laughs) My favorite place to eat was Skinny Vinny's because I lived on Senior Street and it was right around the corner from my house. Okay, and number two, your favorite, I guess, professor or class that you took at Rutgers? Oh, you can't. I know I already asked you the question. I feel like you can answer your favorite professor. Television reporting was amazing. I loved it. I hated every economics class, although there was one. I was a double major. I I majored in journalism and economics because at the time, journalism was such a small major that it was – designed so that you would have another major. Oh, little, little do I know. I said you weren't even a journalism major. Little do I know oh, about no, you. No, no, no. I was a journalism and economics double major. Maybe I wasn't prepared. And, no, you weren't. <laughs> and my dad, who was totally against the journalism part because he just did not think I was ever going to get a job, sort of swayed me to go to the economics side. And, you know, long story short, Roger Cohen in the economics department at Rutgers was my hero because he took like the extra time to explain things to me and my dopey brain that is not necessarily equipped for all that math. So I got through it. So Steve Miller, journalism, Roger Cohen, economics. And of, and of course, 
you mentioned television reporting. I, as well as many of my friends back at Rutgers, when we were all, because we all obviously took television reporting with Steve Miller, we all had the pleasure, I think, of seeing your, I don't remember if it was a commercial. Yeah, your commercial. Yeah, my which, commercial, News in Black, was a spoof on Men in Black, which was the hot movie <laughs> when I was there. And I have to say that most of the people in that video have gone on to do great things, like um, Patty DiMaria. She went on to do, um, she worked for VH1, I think. She, I think she does something with The Masked Singer now, her production company or something like that. And Jack McKiernan, he was on the football team at Rutgers. He went on to be an AD. I forget what school. I know that's really bad that I don't, I don't know. Um, and then there's a, a guy named Tim Andriachi who went into broadcasting. I don't know what he's doing now either. But everybody that is on that video that he embarrasses me and shows <laughs> has gone on to do great things. So and I, I remember it. It's amazing. So my third question what is your best or your most memorable non-WRSU memory of Rutgers? I know that's putting you on the spot. And I know you said you didn't like questions that kind of put you on the spot where you got to think off the cuff, no, but I'm making you. I don't like doing interviews, so this is really... <laughs> but, you couldn't, but as I said at the beginning, you couldn't say no. I said yes because you're my nephew. Oh, I'm sure. Yes. oh, I'm sure. Oh, I'm sure. Let me think. My best non... Well, I mean, I really love my roommates. I was really... We just actually... It takes a pandemic to get us together to start texting. But today, I actually heard from all of them just to kind of do a quick check-in. Um, I don't... I don't know. I mean, going to the Rutgers basketball games, is that... Is that, that counts. We can count it. Oh, you know what it is? Lance, I got it. So I was a bartender at the Corner Tavern. I don't know if you knew that or not. I think and I did. I think I, you told me. I loved every minute of being a bartender at the Corner Tavern. It's, I just, I get like teary eyed when I think about how much I love my boss, Vinny Inzano, owns the Corner Tavern and I'm still close with him. We still text to this day and he's the greatest. And so I think working at the Corner Tavern was my non WRSU favorite part of being at Rutgers. And. So there. Last one of the quick questions. Do you have a favorite sport event that you attended at Rutgers? Oh, it would have to be the Rutgers semifinals, the biggest tournament in 1998. It have to be because that was the turning point for my whole career. So I think that, that was the most fun game that I went to. And I think that was the billet shot. What do you remember about calling that? Shot. What do you remember about calling that? And you know, through the lane. I remember it was not a very good call. I remember my voice was super high, <laughs> like Minnie Mouse. <laughs> and I'm sure there was a lot of yelling. I know that the people at um, WCTC were very angry about that call getting played on WFAN because it um, trumped their call at the time. And I remember it being mistreated a little bit by some people at Rutgers because they thought it was my fault and it was not my fault. Um, but that call is probably super embarrassing and yet so pivotal to my, you know, my experience and my career going forward. So she's my favorite aunt and I know I'm her favorite nephew. I'm your favorite. I know your other aunt. So that is, <laughs> that is well, hopefully weird. they don't listen. I love all my aunts uh, equally. No, you don't. Uh, yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> but I know at the end of the day, I am your favorite nephew. And I know all your other nephews listening to this can admit that I am your favorite nephew. Um, and we're both Rutgers grads. We're both WRSU alums. And, of course, you're a big reason why I went to Rutgers and was so involved with WRSU in the first place. And rate. I know you made a great decision and a great choice. And you had a great experience. And I hope your brother's having the best time ever, too. Yes. I, it was, I remember sitting in your broadcast news writing class my senior year of high school 
sitting there wondering to myself, why am I sitting here? Why am I listening to my aunt teach these people things I don't know? Um, yet, it was a pivotal factor for me going to Rutgers. So I thank you very much for awesome. that. Um, and I thank you so much for joining me and for finally coming on the podcast. And hopefully this podcast doesn't embarrass us too much at the next family oh, gathering. it's going to be awful. And let's just, you know, put it out there. If they make fun of us, that's it. They're just jealous. They hate us because they ain't us. That's it. Exactly. And Erica, thank you so much for coming on. I love you, buddy. I want to thank my aunt for coming on the podcast. You know, it was a lot of fun having her on. And while I don't know if she fully admitted it, I know that I am most definitely her favorite nephew. You know, my aunt told me before I was even a student at Rutgers, I had just let her know of my radio interest, that whenever you're on the air, you never know who's listening on the other end. You know, it's a common phrase, obviously, that aspiring broadcasters hear. And I'm sure all of us who have been a part of WRSU be it for one year or four years, we heard it many times. But she's a prime example of that phrase because in her case, she never knew who was listening. She did her best and her performance got her noticed by Mike Francesa and then WRSU and Rutgers alum Mark Chernoff. One thing led to another and she went from WRSU right to WFAN. As I said at the beginning, she was probably the biggest reason why I got involved with WRSU right at the beginning of my freshman year, and frankly have the passion for radio that I do. I don't know if I'd be doing the podcast even if it wasn't for her, because Aaron found me through WRSU, and I'm sure mainly asked me at the time to do the podcast because of the experience that I built in college. But WRSU, as it is for so many of us, was an unbelievable experience, one that I know I'll always cherish. Being sports director as well was such an honor, and being able to tour the Midwest and the Big Ten was such a benefit. It was really so cool. I've been to 11 of the 14 Big Ten schools with only Minnesota, Northwestern, and Michigan State still to go. I owe WRSU most, if not all, of the experiences that I've had at the 11 schools that I've so far traveled to. And going back to my guest, I owe my Aunt Erica for really introducing me to WRSU, pushing me to get involved early, and for showing me just how great radio is. Her push and her encouragement introduced me to some of my best friends. It allowed me to accomplish so many things, and it helped me make so many great memories during my time as a WRSU sports broadcaster and sports director here on The Banks. Follow On The Banks on Twitter at OTB underscore SB Nation and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Just search On The Banks Podcast.